0: Hi, I'm Matt, and I love movies. Do you like
1: to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars the moon, and move in the comments? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like? Do you like? Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where you get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. I'm your host, Jeremy Zaha, and today we have a very fun conversation um, about something that I think everyone knows about at least a little bit. Uh, Unless you have grown up in the forest without electricity, um, you know about our topic today, which is movies. Which is why I'm excited to have this conversation with someone who I kind of know on the periphery. He is uh, a really good friend of a friend, um, but the little I know about him, he is the perfect person to talk about movies. And his, from my understanding, his knowledge is extensive, and uh, he comes at it from such a uh, like truly studious view. Uh, of the world of movies and I'm really happy to to have on this podcast have this conversation with the one and only Matt Belenke welcome to the podcast Matt Woo!
0: Uh, thanks for that very kind intro um, I'll try to be as studiously entertaining as possible but it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to uh, to be talking with you today
1: well I mean compared to me for for listeners. Uh, my view of movies, I have two ratings, good or bad, and it doesn't take much for me to give the good rating. Uh, basically, if I can sit through it the entire time and be somewhat entertained, that's a good movie. Um, but I know that that's not really the most helpful uh, viewing of movies, uh, especially for the industry. Um, so it's good to have people like Matt who can kind of look at it more from a critical eye and like actually look at the deeper things into what kind of makes a movie good and kind of further the art. Um, so to kind of start the conversation, where did you, do you remember the first time that you kind of like fell in love with movies?
0: Yeah. So I, I feel like my affinity and my relationship to movies is like, is kind of a two part story. Um, and in kind of thinking about talking with you today and thinking over where my like relationship with the movie started um, and just mulling over uh, how the how the inception point began. Um, it's funny because a, my relationship to, to film was, a lot of it was out of fear and being scared of what I saw on screen. And my first memories of seeing a movie uh, was when I was living in Omaha, Nebraska around 93, 94, and I saw Beauty and the Beast. Um, and Snow White in theaters. And I remember being um, just frightened out of my pants for, for both of those films, but especially uh, the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, which starts out as this kind of uh, slow zoom in shot through the woods, through like this little lake area. And we see the castle and we get the uh, narrator um, talking about how once upon a time in, in a land far away, there was a prince um, and the, that eerie music haunted my dreams literally for the next three to four years, I think. And um, I remember memories of seeing that, of seeing Snow White, also being scared uh, by the witch. Um, and, and then also kind of being um, at my friend's parents' house and just kind of going off on my own and catching attack of the 60 foot women uh, which was a movie with Daryl Hannah from Splash that was just kind of playing on TV. I think it was a straight to HBO movie at the time. Um, and it was, it's kind of a crappy movie, but these there were literally these like giant, um, really good looking uh, women, but it was still really scary to, to kind of see them just kind of stomping all over um, whatever city that the film was, uh, was set in. But yeah, th- my relationship with film, I, th- I think it was a lot of it was being scared Uh, And being kind of haunted by these images and these sounds.
1: That's really interesting that, like, this intense love of films later in life started with a traumatic event almost. (laughs) (laughs) When did it kind of, like, transition from that fear base to more of the appreciation?
0: Yeah, so I think when I turned six and uh, my family moved to Pittsburgh um, in around 94... And in 95, I remember I saw Apollo 13 with uh, my elementary school friend, Josh Falk, his family. And then I think my parents came. Um, And now that theater is like a Starbucks, Um, but uh, as corporations would have it. Um, But I I remember seeing that movie. And and again, I I remember there was a lot of fear involved in that. I mean, seeing it's a PG 13 movie, but as a six year old, the way Ron Howard shoots that movie and Tom Hanks kind of going into space, it looks pretty realistic and pretty ominous, um, at at times, despite it being more of like a heroic and patriotic movie. Um, so I, I remember that was like the first time movies felt like an event. It it felt like a, a celebration of both being like with people with being with friends, with family. And, um, and I, th- I think '95 in general seemed to be a big year because I think the mask came came out with Jim Carrey around that time, uh, and I remember getting it from Blockbuster, um, and then doing the same with Batman Forever, which came out in '95. I think Mask was actually '94, but you know v- VHS in '95, um, and then I, that was the the first time like that sort of fear was transitioning into I think comedy and these comedic personas that really. Um, I mean there there were some kind of sinister elements to the mask itself. I mean watching that as a 5-year-old and, and even watching it now there, there are some components of that that are kind of uh stifling and 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 uh, and scary but um still that there was there was a sense of humor that was developing I think in me at that time and a lot of it was a reflection of what Jim Carrey was was doing on screen his like um the way he was emoting the the way he was saying jokes and just the physical comedy Um, that began, I think a transition into like maybe enjoying films more rather than being something I was running away from or like watching because I was scared of it.
1: That's really interesting that like, I mean, it it makes sense that like there be this, like comedy is a lot more welcoming uh, but it makes sense that Disney was what scared you (laughs) and the mask is what kind of brought you in. But I mean, it, in, in looking at like child development, like it makes total sense. And like, there are like a lot of sinister aspects to like these family friendly Disney movies that kind of just get glossed over mm-hmm. um, because they're rated G. Cause they're, cause Disney created them. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's really, it's really interesting that like to, it, to like, think about that. So now that you're, as you kind of transition into the, the world of, I guess, I mean, if you're at, at age six and you're already watching PG-13 movies, was there ever, like, a restriction on what movies you could see?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was another big thing. I, I think there there wasn't. It was um, my parents. I remember we had um, the movie channel. Uh, I don't know if we had HBO. I think I'd run across the street um, to our friend's place to try to catch. Uh, I remember HBO. This I think they still do it now, but back in the 90s. Um, i remember they used to premiere movies on sunday nights and now they do it on saturdays but i remember broken arrow the john woo movie with travolta and christian slater coming out uh and was kind of like a cheesy action movie at the time um but now it's probably better than like 90 percent of the stuff that comes out um and i remember like sprinting across my block across the street to try to catch the, the movie when it was on and um but because i had the movie channel this kind of allowed unfiltered rated R movies to funnel through. And I remember again, um, being, you know, scared shitless from uh, catching some snippets of species, which was like a 95 amazing cast, uh, another kind of cheesy movie, literally about a, uh, supermodel esque alien who, whose whole, She's very promiscuous and she's basically having sex and then killing off everyone she sees when she comes to planet earth. Um, And uh, Michael Madsen, Ben Kingsley, Forrest Whitaker, I mean, there's some, Alfred Molina, there's some phenomenal actors uh, in the film. But um, I remember catching snippets of that. That was the first rated R movie, I think, I remember I caught a glimpse of. And um, there was some, you know, gratuitous nudity, also very gory. There were some really disturbing scenes in that film, uh, especially early on um that's still even if you watch it now you'll be like wow i can't believe they, they kept that in there um but that was the first r movie uh that, that i caught and I, I think um i remember being sort of mesmerized with these kind of rated r slashers that that came out in the 90s after that um not not from like kind of being interested necessarily in um, or thinking it was good quality but kind of uh like the fear kind of drew me to it the um that element of being scared and maybe having like nightmares was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that that, that kept uh kept coming up and you know i know she did last summer i think came out in 97 or something um and that was the time period for those types of films so yeah there, there wasn't really a restriction and, and luckily i think my mom i remember took me to a lot of uh Rated R movies. I think when I was ten or eleven, like uh, High Fidelity, which isn't, you know, that gory or or nude based, but but still, um, it's it's an adult movie. And uh, I, I remember being drawn to it. I remember I loved it at the time, and, and I, th- I think I still do, but um, maybe not as hardcore. But yeah, there there definitely wasn't a restriction, especially as I got um, older. I actually got taken to those movies that I used to have to sneak through you know sneak uh, clips of here and there when when they weren't looking
1: now that must have been very different than a lot of your friends so like what what does that look like with your friend group are you kind of bragging that you can kind of watch whatever you want <laughs> um are they are they just mad at you because you get to see all the cool movies or they probably don't even know about these movies that you're watching really
0: yeah, I don't know if even I was sharing like that—that I, that I was seeing these or that I saw these um, movies. I—it's funny with species. I, I remember seeing Lost in Space, which is PG thirteen. I think this was—I think that came out ninety nine too. Um, another kind of uh, disturbing PG thirteen sci fi movie with, with Gary Oldman um, and Matt LeBlanc of all people, but. Uh, I remember the species Two trailer came on and I literally hid under the seats. I saw this in Battery Park, New York in 99 with my friend. And uh, I, I, it was just like this, this over um, this like looming fear that, that was just uh, pulverizing my, my whole body. But um, in terms of my friends, yeah, I, I don't, I think a lot of them were, I not like, for example, I didn't see the matrix when I came out and I was rated R. Uh, but I remember everyone in middle school talking about that. And that being like the, the focal point, um, of coolness and, you know, fight club also came out and I never saw it at the time, but I remember like. People in school who are older than us, like literally starting fight clubs in recess, um, like, like that, was, that was a thing, and, uh, clearly that went over well with the, uh, the superintendents and the teachers, but I, I remember like being in a four square kind of area and, and these o- older kids who were like, Two or three years old than us, like we're gonna start a fight club now so uh, clearly they th- that's what you know like 11 12 year olds would do um if you m- completely missed the point of the movie which was making yeah. fun of that macho um a uh, kind of mentality and, and those kind of personas but um yeah I, I don't know what my friends are watching but i think i think they're watching the rated r movies that were Maybe like higher quality and maybe "quote unquote" good, um, or you know maybe more notable ones um, like the like the Matrix of the Fight Clubs. But then again, I remember seeing like my mom took my friend and I, uh, Tillman, who was German. We saw Gladiator together, and that, that was rated R, and that came out two thousand. Um, so we were you know eleven seeing that movie. Um, so there was like a level of uh, of films that. I guess other parents were also kind of free willing in the neighborhood, maybe they were um, less fearful of seeing stuff. But I think we picked the spots like, yeah, Amistad, I was eight. Now that I think about it, I was eight years old, I saw Amistad in theaters. Um, and uh, being, you know, completely captivated by it. Um, and you know, this is a pretty like hard, hardcore, historical moment to, to kind of see, but I felt like, um, I like that my parents took me to, to stuff like that, because I uh, kind of became acclimated to um, violence, but also kind of topics that were important, and that would become um, the, the movies that I'd appreciate. And the, by the filmmakers who I love, like Amistad was Spielberg. And that was definitely a filmmaker who was like an important part of, of youth and in our, in our youth, our, our generation. So
1: I, I find it interesting that, like, the two movies that you named, like, Amistad and Gladiator, um, are, I mean, they're violent, but, like, the overall message is pretty straightforward. Like, for, I mean, Amistad, this this horrible atrocity that America did, and that one moment where they try to rectify even a small portion of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Gladiator is, like, this this honor bound like come from the bottom uh like story like where all your friends are watching matrix which has this really deep uh, like one that like even as an adult now it's like kind of hard like this who controls you and this this like social commentary and then fight club again it's almost like your parents were like or your mom you said your mom took you Mm -hmm. uh she knew what you could understand and couldn't understand really. And it almost like tailoring your, your movie. Choices. Would you say that's accurate?
0: Yeah, for sure. Maybe there was some kind of unconscious like uh, telepathy or, or clairvoyance rather that, that my mom had. And uh, it definitely formed my sense of humor. Um, Cause a lot of like that high fidelity and um, gross point blank was another formative, uh, Uh, a pay-per-view movie. I I remember seeing that in Queens, New York. I think I was getting babysat um, and uh, we were staying with our family friends there in this like tiny apartment with their German shepherd who was just like barking profusely at the passing fire trucks. Um, But I remember renting uh, Gross Point Blank that night and really loving it. I mean, I was like nine and there's no way I I could get like half the dark humor that was in that, but that, uh, that sort of tone that that film had and that a lot of other Cusack films, um, had, uh, definitely formulated, I think a certain sense of humor that I still love to this day that I, you know, that I still love those movies. Actually. Um, I think gross Mike Mike is incredible. And, um, and yeah, even, uh, evenly like Amistad and gladiator, um, you're right. There, there, there's like a starter from the bottom. Now we're here type of, uh, thing going on a gladiator for sure. Um, uh, a, a rags to riches story. It's kind of a sports movie. Um, and uh, I mean, th- there's some, you know, like creepy stuff going on with uh, the stepsister and and um, Maximilian, I think uh, the Joaquin Phoenix character. But um, yeah, the, the violence never seemed like uh, it was pointless, I guess that the, there was always sort of a, a, a plot um, point that it was trying to establish and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely you know, lucky that I got to experience those events. And, and a lot of it was either you know, w- with my mom or with one friend. But a lot of these, a lot of um, films I remember seeing, I remember exactly where I was when I saw most movies. And um, a lot of those events happened with people. And, and there was a, like a social component to them um both whether it was like a harry potter birthday party and i remember being in um it was like four or five of us in in, in like a van and we were like farting and just i, I remember laughing about like like f- trying to find out who farted in the car uh on the way back from the movie and um they uh, they built this theater in, in pittsburgh i think in the early early 2000s um, that was like a megaplex. It was just like literally like this glacial size um, palace to, to, to see films at, or they had like 20 screens or something. And it, it made the kind of movies and movie going like even more fun than it was. Um, I mean, we had like two quasi independent theaters um, within like five blocks of each other, which, which was crazy. And then you had this uh, palace size one but I remember going to that with friends, whether it was seeing a minority report, uh, again being being scared uh, um, AF in that, in that one. but um, yeah, th- th- there was like such a wide range um, in the in the types of films like that I was uh, able to see for, for my parents or that uh, I would sneak in and watch along with my friends during like sleepovers or something. There was always like a hollow man or a wild things type um, type movie that, you know, looking back, I mean, those are pretty darn good films. I don't know about hollow man. That's perhaps more arguable, but um, films that you think are like sleazy and uh, unimportant um, are are, like right now at this time would, would be more than welcome Um, something like wild things, which, which is just phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I, I, I find it interesting that like you remember all these things around these movies were movies kind of the only thing that you have that type of memory with, or is, are you just someone that remembers everything?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel like I remember things that I, I mean, maybe this makes sense that I like, or that I, um, kind of click with, like whether it was remembering like every sports player on a baseball team or what their stats were, where they played in the last 15 years, um, whether it's MLB, NHL guys, I definitely had like this um, weird fixation towards remembering people, and 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 um, it's good you, you bring that up because I feel like my relationship to movies um, was, I, th- I think it was much similar to a lot of other people. It was kind of like entertainment my the first half of my life, and but it was also remembering um, every actor that was in every movie. It, it was kind of becoming I was. I went to like this Deer Creek camp in the summer, and I was known as Movie Man because I just kind of, um, you know, not like disobey the kind of camp rules and just go off and talk to the counselors about either like '90s music, like semisonic Sonic or Third Eye Blind, or, um, or 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 film, or like what movies were out that day or something, or what was going on. Um, so yeah, it was more it was more from a perspective of just like memorizing actors and liking that and knowing that. Um, rather than like knowing necessarily who was f- directing the movie, who was behind the screen, who who were these writers. Um, and again, it was more of like, it was very narrow-minded um, interest or approach in American filmmakers for the most part. Um, I hadn't really, um, I wasn't like very uh, hardcore art housey or into European cinema or Japanese. I had no idea about any of that stuff. And, and still to this day, I think it's, um, less of a focal point uh, but it's I'm trying to work on that and and, and kind of widen my scope and it's become much much less of a factor but um yeah th- there was definitely like a memory thing like like you know literally we could we, we could talk about um this the some 1700 movies I've seen according to Letterboxed, and I could tell you most of where I was and who I was with like you know, when, when I saw those. so there's always, um, I liked seeing stuff with people cause I always wanted to, to talk about it after and to hear their opinion and, and to, uh, to like share that experience. Um, and, and yeah.
1: Do you, do you remember what age this transition can happen where it went just from entertainment to looking at it in a more critical view of it?
0: Yeah. So in 2012, um, I think it was the spring of 2012 or the fall, um, my parents had a party downstairs and I, and I ran upstairs to turn on the TV to kind of be disassociated from whatever shenanigans were happening on the first floor. And I turn on the TV and the opening scene of reservoir dogs, uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie starts playing. And it's a scene where the camera is circling around table at, at a diner, at a coffee shop. And, um, Tarantino himself is in, is in the scene. And it's just a bunch of these crim these, uh, low life criminals, um, and they're discussing what the meaning of Like a Virgin by Madonna is, the song. And uh, they're referencing, like, Charles Bronson in The Great Escape. Um, there's Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth in the scene. And they're also, Quentin says, like, time out Green Bay. And, uh, you know, Like a Virgin is all about a girl who likes a guy with a big dick. And uh, and they kind of start uh, riffing on that. And, and I was totally... Um, blown away by, by what I was hearing. And, uh, I had never seen, um, characters in, in, a film, especially these kind of, uh, so-called cool, um, customers wearing these like black suits, uh, talk about this like mundane, um, pop culturally referential things that like we would talk about as kids. If we went out somewhere, like, uh, you know what? What do you think about that new Kanye song, um, or uh, the Goo Goo Dolls, or something? the The way the way the characters were talking was not exactly how people talk in real life, but it was it was a much heightened reality, and it was a much cooler version of that. It was like, oh, I wish I was these guys or something, right? I Which I was hanging with them right now, even though they're totally vile and vulgar. Um, and I saw that scene, and like like my brain. Li- li- really just like blew up. And I was like, who is this guy writing this dialogue? And I started to look into more of his films. So obviously I'd heard of Pulp Fiction, but I, besides seeing snippets of it um, in my youth, I'd never seen it. So I started to see that and um, Jackie Brown. And I had seen Inglorious Bastards on like a midnight showing, um, but I wasn't like, um, I liked it, but it was like too late for me to appreciate a three hour movie and, and for a midnight showing um, and I, I literally became obsessed with who's the person writing this dialogue and who's the, who's the person moving the camera and kind of directing us both literally and figuratively through this kind of metamorphosis and this, uh, this r- really unique experience. Um, and who are his idols who were, you know, who were the filmmakers that, um, he looked up to and was influenced by growing up. And can I, let me, let me look at their film work and literally you know since since 2012 since i saw reservoir dogs that night and obviously i was aware of the film it it, it became like a um a, a thing of uh dorm room fodder to have that film as like a poster uh, along with other stuff for like a certain um bro population of of, of americans and um and it was very much that film, but it was also this very talky, very snarky film that was, uh, referencing a lot of stuff that was going on and that had happened both in cinema and, um, in culture in general, which, which, which I totally dug. And, and I was like, this, this is such a cool language. Um, it sounds different than most things I've heard. And, uh, um, yeah. And, and since 2012, I think that fascination with filmmakers, with voices, with genres has become, um, just like a snowball effect. That's continuous to this day, uh, of discovering new filmmakers, hearing what they have to say and kind of finding out about a certain time period. And I, I think all of that is because of Quentin Tarantino's, um, Reservoir Dogs.
1: I think, uh, Quentin Tarantino is one that uh, a director that and writer that you think hear about. And a lot of people have those types of views of his work. Um, but it is amazing. That is one. This list, like ki- probably a scene that he didn't take that much time in writing, mm-hmm. but just like the, like you said, banal nature of this conversation is really what hooked you in. Uh, I do want to touch on. So your parents are having a party downstairs and you wanted to kind of disassociate. Do you, do you find movies as like an escape As like, uh, this is every, the world is overwhelming. I just need a a second to, to feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, for for sure. I I think, um, they're the place where I feel the most calm and that I can find respite and like uh, a certain sense of serenity, but also, um, yeah, they can sort of manipulate me to feel a certain way. And and, and I like being, um, taking hold of and, and, and someone taking um, the reins on me and, and, and kind of dictating me the, the way they see the world, the way they're trying to um, tell a story and, and, uh, and describe an event. Um, and, you know, I'm not really particular to, I think, any genre. I mean, I, I love rom-coms, and I, I think those are the most kind of um appealing to to see with like friends most of the time or um just just because the the there's a greater sense of positivity walking out of that um and and it's funny that uh a lot of us escape reality to to watch movies when a a lot um a lot of the films that i prefer are ones where i do uh i do want to see reality uh pictured or or um, a version of it resembled on screen and something that I can kind of, I I think maybe that's why I have like a strong, such a strong detachment, um, not purposefully towards like MCU or DC films, but because I feel like a lot of them are so formulaic and, um, that when the explosions and, and when the bombs and when the special effects start, they kind of lose me a lot of the time. And, uh, I I prefer something that's maybe realistic, but also something that's kind of entertaining in a different way that's um, maybe using film and like camera and cinema for what it was used for like back in the day and and kind of keeping that, um, that sense of like history, of cinema history. And, um, you know, Scorsese has gone on length in in, like op-eds in the New York Times talking about how he describes MCU movies as kind of like a roller coaster ride—you can get on and off anytime you want—and um, he he kind of talks about th- there's a there's a specific formula, you know, the way they're going to go, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, which I think is his point too. But um, he mentions an article, you know, when he sees a movie by like Catherine Bigelow or Wes Anderson or Spike Lee, he knows that when he exits the theater or turns off the TV, that he's going to feel a certain way about the world, about, uh, politics, about racial inequality, um, about art, about the possibility of, of things and, and existences. Um, and I, I think the, a lot of the comic book movies gives you a false sense of that. And maybe they're just almost serving like a popcorn purpose, which is fine. Um, but I, t- I tend to like side with him in in that regard that, uh, um, I, I'd rather come away with a movie um, having a greater appreciation for something, whatever that something is. The, the that director can can dictate it to me themselves. Um, but yeah,
1: I think and I think it's important. Uh, we on this podcast we talk a lot about art because I think art's something a lot of people are passionate about. Um, there's there, I think there's some innate human desire to find artwork and movies are very much artwork, but what one person loves another person might, might not be able to stand. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the, the, the wonderful part about art. And I think with kind of the business aspect of movies, there needs to be people like you that, that truly value the, the more, emotional driven the more kind of humanistic view in movies as opposed to these huge blockbusters because the huge blockbusters are going to make a ton of money because they translate overseas without changing anything explosion <laughs> holds no language um and personally i love i love both again i told yeah. as we mentioned at the beginning i'm the worst critic because generally i like all movies I will say the only movie I ever that I remember I ever just refused to finish was the grudge. and I don't remember why. I just like, I don't want to finish this movie. I just turned it off I, I, it was a, it was a really big moment in my life where I had like, oh, I can just stop a movie in the middle of it. I don't have to worry, but I was like, i don't know, I don't remember how probably sixteen, seventeen, eighteen somewhere right, right that way. I was like, I'm an adult. I can just turn off a movie. (laughs) I think I even paid for it on pay-per-view. I was like, no, I don't want to finish this. Uh, But again, there's like this understanding what you love and then supporting it, I think, is the important thing in like art.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that's clearly what you're doing. But I kind of want to dive into. So like you have this like innate understanding of the, the movie process. You want to know who wrote it. You want to know everyone involved in the production of it. When talking to friends, does that ever become kind of overwhelming for them, or do you ever do do you find like frustration talking to friends about movies at times?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of have to pick my spots and and maybe know my audience, just like a movie does, I guess, about what i expect them to know and uh and to think and feel about a movie um i think that i think that people are becoming like more interested in uh in films that are telling stories about race or gender inequality or uh, these themes that, that have become um very important in the last decade or so in cinema that have like f- films about those things are, are being made, I think more often than, than before. Um, so that's nice. I think that the people are kind of watching these things, uh, well, you know, even something like book smart, um, I don't know if that's saying anything about gender inequality. In, fa- in fact, the opposite, the, it's about two wealthy A- LA girls who, um, the, the only thing going against them is that they haven't had enough fun in high school. So, um, they they want to have one last hurrah and as much as I disagreed or disliked that movie um I liked having debates about it with people and uh among them were our mutual friend Jake's friends and and our friend group and just talking about like what I disliked or what they liked about it what they found enjoyable um yeah I mean I I don't think um I don't try to take the view and, and I don't try to be like pretentious, like, oh, you haven't seen this Godard film from 65, that's the best movie out there. Um, Or, uh, you know, there's this film made on a shoestring budget and just like two people uh, talking in a a cafe the whole time. Um, Although those movies, I guess, tend to be some of my favorites, but um, I'll, uh, I think Roger Ebert was pretty good at that. And um, maybe, the the one kind of Achilles heel to, to his criticisms was that uh, he liked a lot and maybe liked too much and, and too many films. Um, like he always found something positive to take away from it. But I, I think he was good at separating um, art house films that were quote unquote important from uh, these entertainment installments um, that were kind of action set pieces or uh, adventure films. And um, I've always kept like an open mind uh, about that stuff too, and like, um, I'm not gonna try to like dissuade someone from liking Raiders of the Lost Ark or or Star Wars and, and stuff like that, and because uh, a lot of there there is like a, a certain sect of fandom for Star Trek and Star Wars, obviously, and, and I like that stuff. Um, I like those films, and yeah, I mean, sometimes it can get hard with 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 friends, but um, I try to. Uh, I try to tailor my recommendations towards uh, people's personalities and my friends' personalities that I think they would like, and um, I try to give them recommendations or to hear their recommendations about stuff a, a lot of times. Like, I'll, I'll text call friends, oh, you, sh- you should see this uh Brian De Palma movie, Femme Fatale, it's on Prime right now. I think you'd really like it. Um, I'm all about sleazy thrillers, and uh, um you know, ones that kind of everyone will like the, and, uh, but, you know, um, I think if if there, if there is a, uh, tension or, um, a difference that's common, I think, I think it is with like the MCU movies and, uh, and the DC movies, which everyone seems to see the, and they're the ones that, um, I think people almost like overanalyze in terms of like how good they can be and stuff like that. And, uh, um, if there's any difference, cause you're almost guaranteed. I think, I think most people are, are going to see those movies or, or on average, a higher percentage are going to see that than like Phantom Thread. Um, so if there's ever, um, sort of, a a difference in, in opinion, it comes from, I think those like higher budget films, um, that I wish I was like more into. And sometimes I am, sometimes I do like, like, you know, Deadpool or Chris Nolan's Batman movies were incredible. um, At least in the first two, but yeah, that's, that's my uh, friend relationship. I I don't think um, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, go out of my way to say you're watching bad movies. You should watch this. You should watch X and Y, but um, I'm rather open to hearing what people think.
1: Yeah, and I I will say the for the listener the the one time I've ever really met Matt I me and our mutual friend Jake, <laughs> uh traveled to New York a couple years ago for WrestleMania and like everything around WrestleMania for those of you that don't watch wrestling WrestleMania is like the biggest wrestling show of the year, um they have them in giant football stadiums when crowds are allowed, um and because of that there's a lot of other wrestling companies that will do other activities around that uh because there's so many concentrated wrestling fans in that area. And Matt I'm assuming you do not have any history or really knowledge of wrestling uh but he still just cuz we were there and cuz there was a spectacle. He's like, "Well, I'm going to go and he paid to enter WrestleCon, which is a convention that had some wrestling, but is mostly like you walk around and meet older wrestlers who are signing autographs uh and he's like i just want to experience this um uh, so i will say for the listener matt is not someone who closes off his, his opinions on anything like he's very open uh so definitely it to just to highlight that he he will not uh from what i know he will not like talk down but it it, it has to be a frustration do you have like your your groups of people that you can like talk deep film uh, theory with?
0: Yeah, I think there are some. um, I met one on my birthright for old people trip and how Jewish I am is even questionable at that. But um, technically I think I am, but uh, one of my, you know, close movie friends I met on that trip, uh, John, and uh, we struck a friendship and, and uh, developed a certain uh, r- rapport with going to movies and, and seeing them. Um, and it turned out that a lot of the the people I met, like like Jake, um, happened to like film a lot. And um, even if he's not like listing off actor names, like it's IMDb, he's still uh, going out of his way to see Criterion movies left and right. And I, I don't, um, I have nowhere, I think near the kind of knowledge or experience in seeing a lot of those films that, that, that he'll go to lengths to experiment with and test out. And uh, as someone who is like uh, politically entranced and, um, and interested in, in learning about different cultures and um, machinations of, of like different sects, um, it's, it's fun to talk about stuff with, with him too uh and and even his friend i think bart was with us that day at wrestlecon yes when, when we sat at the diner um and uh somewhere in midtown manhattan yes and uh and bart uh turns out is also like a big fan of like westerns and uh a lot of westerns i haven't seen so having befriended him got me into clint eastwood's work and like sergio leone um and uh, we saw 2001 space odyssey together for like brunch at Nighthawk in, in Brooklyn one time. And it was a totally, um, really sweet afternoon. Just, just seeing that, uh, really long and, uh, transgressive film perhaps, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the, the question again, it was, uh,
1: it was just like, it, do you, do you have a group of people that you can okay. like dive deep with?
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you've met Lloyd, but that's another Lloyd probably watches more like, um, current movies or new movies than like anyone I know, like he'll be front row at the premiere in New York. He's like a paparazzi, um, guy who's like very into, you know, actor spotting and and stuff like that. And he'll kind of remember and remind you about the day he saw Daniel day Lewis, um, swing by him on like uh, Madison Avenue. Um, wearing some r- ridiculous outfit, but, um, luckily I've surrounded myself and, and found myself this, a bunch of like film loving people, uh, but kind of by happenstance, to be honest. And, uh, but I, I've also had friends, um, another John, uh, without an H, um, who is also kind of like, uh, Good at remembering actors and movies, and good at remembering movies from the past, and kind of underrated ones that kind of are box office bombs that became a cult status folklore for for uh, years following. So, like, oh, I feel like a lot of um, the people I'm friends with uh, do happen to have like a pretty pretty damn good um, wealth of knowledge regarding film, and uh, even if they, I mean, they've seen a lot of stuff that I haven't, and. Uh, they can talk about it in a way that'll kind of challenge your your foresight and 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 your thinking um someone like Jake especially I think I loved we did a podcast together recently i I was a big fan of the five bloods the spike Lee movie and, and he wasn't and we kind of debated and, and quarreled over our likes and dislikes about it um and I found that um really engrossing and and uh and informative to to kind of Hear his thoughts on a film and what films he likes is also, um, always like an exciting part of, uh, of the year or of the, of the moment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in terms of experiences, you, you kind of mentioned, um, I don't know if that's being a Gemini and being, uh, I don't know how, I'm not, I'm not trying to go all horoscopy on us here, but, um, <laughs> I think that was a big thing of, of wanting to be in New York was to like experience new things and um just do stuff and to go out and uh, be a part of things and places and and I remember that WrestleCon in specific I think I was also searching for Bill Simmons I, I think on Twitter he said I'm going to WrestleCon and he was there but I think he was in the Meadowlands in, in New Jersey which you guys went to later that night or a week Yeah
1: uh, that was the actual WrestleMania event uh-huh.
0: Yeah and um but that was an awesome event to experience because yeah, you, you, you referred to it as a spectacle. And uh, for sure, I have that perspective. It's kind of a, uh, it's a different world and uh, you have these celebrities and there's a whole subculture um, and the kind of fandom that you and, and Jake have for wrestling. I, I think I, I, sh- I share that obs- obsession and I'm, uh, I'm into your interest in it, you know, as, as much as I am with like just learning about something new and, and, and different.
1: And I think that that's kind of like the 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 great thing about movies specifically because there's so many different <laughs> avenues. Like you're talking about like Bart gives you western, Jake gives you the Criterion collection. Like there's so many of these different areas. Um there's no like one way to make a movie and if like you mentioned earlier like movies definitely make you feel a certain way, you can almost control how you feel by the movie you choose. Mhm. Um I, it's it's really a magical thing about movies. And, and the other thing is like movies are so available now. Like, could you imagine when you were younger living in a world where <laughs> at any moment you can basically watch any movie you ever wanted to watch Uh, at, the, at the, the, all you need is an internet connection and you can watch any movie in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's kind of like the, uh, the, the positive, the big positive from, the streaming revolution I think that's taking place is that, um, that availability that you speak of the the fact that you can access anything and everything on like 10 different platforms. I mean, there's multiple, um, not only, uh, paid VOD services, but like free movies with commercials like Tubi or Voodoo or Pluto. There seems to be a new one coming out every three months. Sony crackles another big one. Um, and they, a lot of these seem to have like those under the radar films, the, the cult status ones. Uh, I, I watched one last Friday, uh miracle mile. I, I had never seen that. I just watched it to prep for like a Q and a that I was going to watch the next day. And it was great to find that on Pluto, despite the multiple commercial interruptions that get sprinkled in throughout it can be kind of uh disturbing. Um, and, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think what I like about what I miss about the past, uh, not to you know be too nostalgic, but um, there was a component of randomness that um, being tethered to the cable environment, if, if you were so lucky or um, just having like HBOs or Showtimes and not having on-demand or DVR, it's kind of just flipping through the channels like I was on TMC and catching something as masterful as Species of all things. Um, but that spontaneity of, of, of finding something that you didn't know existed and, and letting the, the TV gods, the, the guides also kind of dictate, um, and, and tailor their schedules to what you're seeing. And, um, I remember a lot of like late night discoveries, uh, in, in high school and middle school, a a bunch of these kind of be Thrillers. Um, one was called Blink with uh, Madeline Stowe, and actually, the director passed away a couple of weeks ago. Michael Apted, who was re- really great, um, or you know, a, a pretty solid like studio director who did documentaries too. But um, there was there was a sense of like discovery that um, instead of having to like search for stuff on streaming and see what was available and start it from the beginning. Um, I mean, obviously, like the stopping and starting of those services is kind of huge. Uh, that you can just kind of, you, you know, if you need to go to the bathroom, or if you need to run a chore, or if you just want to go to sleep and, and pick pick off the um, pick up on it the next day, uh, you know, you, you could do that. And there, it's, I, I you know, I guess easier. And everything's being um, also kind of dictated to us by. Netflix recommendations or Amazon, like, if you like this, you're probably like this. So that, that randomness, I, I think has kind of dissipated. And I, I, um, I miss those times when um, there was a lack of information, there was a dearth of it, and you, you kind of uh, discover things by maybe sneaking down the Blockbuster aisles at Blockbuster rentals or Hollywood Video or whatever and kind of, oh man, this uh, this Batman Returns uh, VHS tape. This looks pretty crazy. This is kind of kooky. You got like three characters, one on top of the other. Um, and we haven't mentioned Tim Burton yet, but I think he was another uh, perennial and like foremost influence on the types of films that I liked when I was younger and that I, I still appreciate and enjoy. But his, his Batman movies, uh, Edward Scissorhands, there was a certain like perversity and subversion To a lot of things that he did even though they were like technically kids movies i mean there was like some um strange things going on in a lot of his work and uh i just wanted to say that uh i i adored him um when i was young and i I was really like struck with um you know him kind of catapulting that subversiveness
1: yeah and you, you i mean you bring up a really good point like we lose kind of the the randomness and I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll I'll log on to Netflix and I'll spend twenty minutes trying to find something I want to watch, and then by the end of it, be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna go to YouTube or something like that. Hmm. Like there is like almost too much. And I, I I think back to like growing up, TBS and TNT would be like the the places that you'd always see movies, and Forrest Gump would be on, and you'd watch maybe half an hour for a scump and then you'd have to you get distracted. But you knew in like a week it'd be back on, you can finish it. Like that's how we would like start and stop movies. We're like, ah, oh, this will be back on soon. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was like a very select amount of movies. So again, the the very much pros and cons of the of the streaming world. Um but I I know when we talked before this, you mentioned how you're kind of taking kind of the next step in the movie world, um, you're, you're, you're starting to kind of transition away from just consuming them to being a part of the process. First question is what kind of drove you to that? And then what does that kind of look like for you?
0: Yeah, I, I guess the latter is, um, something I'm still trying to find out myself and trying to answer, which is, you know, what, what, what do I do? Like when I get involved in this world and what added value can I bring? Um, But yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple um, young female filmmakers. um, Well, not that young, they're like my age or a little little bit older, but um, who um, I became friends with uh, on Twitter, and then one introduced me to another in in person. Um, And then another one is kind of like a, a horror filmmaker who um, I hope to work with at some point in the next few years that who is really talented. And she's done a couple shorts for Hulu and stuff like that. Um, and she went to my undergrad school. That, that's how I, I, I knew of her. I never knew her there, though. Um, but the, I guess the role I'd like to play is um, w- either being someone who helps finance these films, which is something I did in, in the case of the most recent film that's um, it's going to be a feature by uh, a young director named Nicola. Um, and, uh, she's going to try to start shooting it in June later this year. Um, and, uh, something like that, just attach myself to, and, and, um, basically say, you know, any, any way you need me, whether it's to be on set, um, to organize locations, uh, finances, uh, casting help or something, just let me know. And I'll work, you know, free of charge and uh, j- just, you know, keep me involved in the process. That, that's kind of the, the way I'm approaching all this stuff, because I'm so because I'm such a novice in, in, in a lot of this stuff and in, in this world. But a lot of it is reaching out to people um, and sliding into DMS and um, saying, Hey, I, I like your films. I like your taste a lot. Are you directing anything? Are you working on something? Um, and I've had people say, yeah, um, I'm going to find a way to, to bring you on in, in my next project. I'm not sure what that role will be, but I want you to uh, kind of do that. And in studying, um, it's always fascinating to me uh, to look at, like, you know, you're talking about finding out who's behind a movie, who, who are all the characters, like the producer. Kind of looking into the producing history and, and how films get financed how you know why studios make movies um something like fight club for example basically i think bankrupt 20th century fox um or got bill mechanic who was the head at the time fired from from his job because they gave the film like 50 or 60 million and it barely made its money back if not lost its money um and uh, kind of like the the mythology um around a lot of how films get made and uh but a lot of times it's, it's me wanting to, um, whether it's help in the writing process, but also just like further the vision of whatever filmmaker that I'm really fond of and that I think is really talented and I think is really good. I think that's like what I think a producer does. I think there's many hats they wear. One is like a financing one, one is being on set as like a line producer to make sure every day is budgeted um, down to the T. But I, I think another, like, overarching key one is, like, if you believe in, in a filmmaker, you want their vision and, and them to have full control uh, of, what you know, of whatever they've created, and you want that to come out on screen. And I think a good producer, um, which is something, you know, I'm, I'm interested in trying to become, um, or doing, I think someone who's good at that is uh, someone who pushes that vision to become a re- a reality. And it's not something like a, like a Marvel movie where everything is so controlled by higher ups that even if you hire someone as talented as Ryan Coogler for black Panther, um, or Patty Jenkins for uh, wonder woman, their, their voice isn't really going to come through the screen most of the time because there's about 20 other voices. Um, being edited and uh, and funneled through just because of the high stakes nature of that movie because it's so highly budgeted uh which you know makes sense to a certain degree but um that's why a lot of uh people and filmmakers stay independent is because they want final cut and they want full control of whatever product they uh they release on screen and, and um so I, yeah that that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at now is finding and fostering these relationships with people, and, and kind of helping them um, see it through and become a reality and start filming and then hopefully, go to film festivals and stuff like that. And uh, I like putting my um, I'm, I'm not afraid to like reach out to people basically, and, uh, and offer up help in any way I can. Um, and yeah, a lot of these people, it's been really random connections, like the, the current um, lady I, m- I met through another one who just told me to come on set, if I could come on set one day and kind of be a production assistant, um, for a short film, and, and this was like literally a week before COVID hit in March, before everything shut down, I was in, uh, I was doing this like short film in somewhere, might've been lower east side or, uh, I didn't know where it was, but, uh, it was somewhere in Manhattan and, um, we rented out this space, it was a very big space, and and the the scenes were kind of. The guy who funded the short film, he funded, he self-funded it, and he's a barista, um, but also a very talented filmmaker and writer, and he saved up money from his job, and uh, and just self-funded the film, and uh, which is crazy, and um, but but he's he's really great, and uh, there was a bunch of scenes of like ballerinas. Um, and ballet and sort of dance movements happening. Um, and I was just literally kind of like, hey, how, what do you need me to do? You need me to like tape something to the wall or climb on a ladder um, or serve coffee to people or food or something, I'll, I'll, I'll do that, whatever. It's, uh, it's a Saturday, I'm not doing anything. Um, and this was through a connection uh, through someone I met on Twitter who I became friends with and she's uh, in the process of like getting her uh, second feature which should have some like decently big names attached to it, which, which is really exciting.
1: I And I think that that really shows you, I mean, it shows your passion for this. Like you are willing to on your day off, just go and just hang out. And like, I think some people would go to hang out and then just like be a, be an awe, but you're like, no, I want to be involved in this process. I want to help this I want to help this art be created. I want I want to be a, a part of this. Um and I think it's important like as hopefully we're kind of entering at least the the back half of COVID, uh, knock knock on wood. Um uh the the arts uh, have definitely taken a hit in this in this environment and like with uh movie theaters kind of being kind of struggling i think it's important that we have people like you that are like i am truly passionate about this art i want to to help where i can i want to be a part of the solution not the problem i want i want this this entire area to to thrive um so i'm really glad that that even timing was perfect And that you started to do this right before the pandemic and are here kind of trying to help throughout this, this tough time.
0: Yeah, um, I appreciate it. You know, whatever like minute uh, difference I made toward, I guess, that short film or whatever um, difference I'm trying to make into helping the this most recent feature get funded and get financing um, has been like, you know, I, I feel that I've been lucky to even be attached or even be considered and like thought of, uh, that people are reaching out to me to try to help them. Um, but yeah, you know, and obviously I, I don't come from it, um, to film from like a technical background, like a lot of the people who are creating these things, you know, I don't know the different projections and lens flares and, uh, um, and the whole different like dialect and language that exists among, filmmakers and cinematographers and, and so forth um, I feel like m- my added value is from another perspective maybe from a more businessy side and uh, stuff that they don't want to deal with and that I'll happily deal with and I, I think that's the role a lot of the times of those people um, and like I think film it, it, it's it's an, you know interesting to look at film history and look at how many like wealthy sort of vagabond, um empresarios uh were the reason a lot of these like independent cult films got made in the first place and ed pressman was one producer in like the 80s um the 70s and the early 90s who, who worked with like abel ferrara who was this like very new york grungy and grimy uh filmmaker um who was making films for like three million or less some were profitable but a lot were like maybe breaking even um, but these guys didn't care. They just wanted, um, they, they were just happy to support these filmmakers. And this generation's Ed Pressman, I think to some extent, has been Megan Ellison, who's, um, what's his name? I was going to say Ralph Waldo Emerson, but uh, <laughs> the, the CEO of Oracle, I forget his first name, uh, that Ellison, he, he, um, his daughter, basically started Annapurna, which was a production company. And I think they went bankrupt, but he saved her. Um, I mean, you know, he has an infant supply of of money, but uh, it's great that she's shelling out 30 million for like an art house, Paul Thomas Anderson movie that might get minimal audience uh, viewership, um, such as The Master. And maybe that's what like led to her Company's demise was that she was giving maybe too much money for a film that she get far, far less and far fewer dollars. Um, but you know, people like that uh, are kind of inspiring. Um, not that I have the uh, financial uh, capacity or or bankroll to um, to do what they're doing, but um, the fact that people like that also are doing it out of love. Uh, for the most part and out of like affection for the industry and for the films they like, uh, that's kind of gratifying. Yeah.
1: And I, I, it's almost like people that have so much money, it's almost too easy for them to do stuff like that. Whereas someone who is not as financially gifted, they have to be smarter with kind of their investments. And I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Once you Mm -hmm. learn how to do that, uh, makes everything a lot easier later on Mm -hmm. uh but but i'm glad that that is kind of your view that you want to make sure that these these art pieces are getting made uh both for the current generation i'm sure for future generations um with that i want to make sure to highlight you do a podcast yourself with our friend jake would you like to tell everyone about your podcast kind of what you discuss on there
0: yeah um we've been kind of slow with posting and and that's all my fault uh, with, the, with the last few episodes. But uh, we've kind of been periodically posting articles and podcasts. But still, we, we've got some library of stuff there. And you can find us on thethirdtake.com. Um, you can read. I think Jake has uh, written some stuff about comics. And uh, that's you know, one of his great passions. Um, and we've done, I think, now 15 episodes. And we, we had several friends as guests. So we, we do the three of us. Uh, initially we had Lloyd in the, in the first few and, and he despised them so much and, and uh, um, was too uppity to, to join us on any further ones. <laughs> but but uh, over the summer, I, I think uh, podcasting was a way to kind of um, stem the tide of, of pandemia and, and kind of uh, escape and, and survive in, in, in our own shape or form. Um, but our you can find our podcast on Spotify. I think it's just uh, the movie talk or uh, yeah, the movie talk podcast uh, and our website's the third tape. And we we do talk a lot about mini series and TV shows. I think there's several episodes dedicated to that. So it's not exclusive um, to film and cinema, but um, yeah, it's at this rate, I think we're posting like one episode every two months. Uh, It used to be more often and more frequent uh, in the summers. But um, we, we've we done stuff like best of year movie lists. We did a, a recent one that I got to post. Uh, we did one last year that could be worth checking out. And then also like uh, best movies of 1999 and 2000. And uh, those are 99 in specific is considered this uh, sort of a breaking point um, in, in cinema history. And uh, we kind of, diagnosed the why we think that is. And, uh, even in 2000, we talked about gladiator. That's one of the films we discussed on the pod and American psycho, another, um, phenomenal and, uh, ins- insightful film. So yeah, uh, check us out there. I think, uh, you could learn a thing or two perhaps.
1: Yeah. I mean, and a follow is free, so yeah. uh, it doesn't matter how, how, my, how many episodes, if you follow that podcast, You'll get the next one in your feed and it'd be like a gift whenever mm-hmm. when when each episode comes out. Thank you again for this conversation. It's always fun. Uh, one thing I love about this podcast uh, um, is that I get to have these conversations with people that I mean, uh, we mentioned before we went on. It'd be weird for you and me to sit down on Zoom just to talk like this uh, for an hour Um, but podcasts, podcasts are like the perfect venue and you get to learn about people and hopefully everyone who listened, learned a little bit about you and, and uh, they definitely learned about movies for sure. Um, so thank you for, for joining us and, and sharing yourself with all the podcast listeners.
0: Thanks Jeremy for, uh, for having me here. It's been, it's been awesome to, uh, Discuss these things and, and discuss film in, in, in general and like kind of a, a takeaway that I like people to have um, As they maybe watch movies in the future is uh, Paul Schrader had a quote that a good movie begins as you're walking out of the theater um, and perhaps think about that as you Watch a movie or as I when you decide to watch something um, That's always been a quote since I heard it a few years ago. Uh, that's kind of uh, stuck with me and that's um, perhaps controlled my interests and, and how i feel about stuff but uh thanks again it was a real treat to be here with you
1: i think those those deep words are the perfect way to kind of end this podcast if you are listening to this podcast the first time we do these every tuesday uh you can reach out to the podcast at what do you like podcast on instagram at wdyl podcast on twitter or you can go to our website what do you like Podcast.com. If you enjoy what you're listening to, again, subscription costs uh, zero. at in your favorite podcasting platform. Um, and tell a friend. If you really enjoy these conversations, the more people that listen, uh, I think the, the, the deeper these passions are spread. And um, we can kind of turn this kind of dark place a little bit uh, into a much brighter place, <laughs> um, especially with uh, both the... Uh, viral issues going on, and the political issues in America. If you're in another country, congratulations. Uh, we are the dumpster fire uh, for once. Um, so again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, definitely reach out on those podcast, on those social media links, and we'll see you next time.